do it. Hello, Joel Robinson. How's it going? Good, thank you. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me today. Uh, apologies to the listeners. It's raining a lot outside. I've got a feeling that it's going to affect us worse than it's going to affect yeah, the yeah, yeah. sound file. I'll do yeah. some gun audio editing and yeah. people won't know the difference. Um, Joel, can you tell us about your company, Hunter and the Harp Mead? Yeah, sure. Um, <coughs> so, Hunter and the Harp. We started up about a year ago. It's, it's named after my two kids. It's named after Hunter, who's nearer to my firstborn, Harper, our second daughter. Uh, we've got a third child on, in the midst, but he's missed out at the moment, Banjo. <laughs> but um, basically, a couple of years ago, uh, five years ago, you know, I think I was a little bit lost from a career point of view, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was still maritime, I was still skippering, but I wasn't finding much satisfaction. And then... Um, what were you skippering? Yeah, I've worked... Uh, uh, so I started off, you know, as a deckhand, worked on back- backpacker boats, spent a lot of time in the Whit Sundays and um, overseas, worked across into white boats. Um, from there, I sort of started to move across into like regulatory, worked for New South Wales Maritime, scientific, did, um, did a marine science degree and things like that. I was teaching at TAFE, New South Wales. But about yeah, six years ago, I got a call. Um, if I could go to the Heron Island Research Station and spend a year there as their boating diving officer. And that afternoon, I got a call from my partner. Uh, we were in different states at the time, telling me that I was going to be a dad. And that was an interesting conversation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going away for nine months now, basically. And that, that, that was the catalyst for me to think about what I want to do for the next part of my life now. Now I was going to be a father and what I wanted to commit to. And being away at sea wasn't wasn't it anymore. So let's find something that else I love to do. I, I love brewing. I think I got a, a brew kit from my father's very first Father's Day six seven years ago, and went straight into making pretty much making mead. Seemed to go pretty well. We got a good couple of uh, results from some competitions, and that that was the catalyst that we needed to let's commit to this. Let's find the next passion and and create. A legacy, hopefully, for, for our kids to fit into and, and take over one day. What was it about mead that uh, made you change your career path? Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it, mead? It's not... Um, I mean, I love beer and, and brew beer and drink beer. There's no issue with that. The idea of starting up, I think, a brewery was it's too competitive. Um, and I don't think we had the resources financially. So then the other option was, you know, well, what about a winery? But... We, we didn't have the, last, the right last name. We weren't born into, you know, that sort of heritage. So what else was there? And let's try mead. I love bees. I've been a commercial beekeeper. We keep bees. We're into bees, you know. I love gardening. I'm a horticulturalist, so you understand how important bees are. Why not? Like, let's, let's take the honey that we can get in this country, which is so high quality, there's so many different types of varieties. Like, let's showcase that. Let's put Australia on the map, Australian honey on the map. And uh, mead for us is where we found our little niche. So honey and mead is obviously very entwined. Where do you get your honey from? Going to visit him straight after I finish up with you guys this oh, really? afternoon. Yeah, New South Wales. He's a, a honey, farm, uh, honey man up there. It's got about um, 30,000 hives. So he's one of the biggest in the country. He's New South Wales based. We've had two more, but as we grow, our, their ability to supply honey, it gets restricted. It's a really hard job, beekeeping. It's mm. a full-time job. It's physically physically hard. Um, so we've moved on to this guy now. Um, and, yeah, he's 30,000 hives. It's all New South Wales based. Uh, some on the border down near Madura and things as well, South Australia. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to see him tonight, tomorrow morning. All right. Um, so starting out into mead, how do you approach starting a meadery commercially when in Australia there's not that many examples? Um, you know, there's a blueprint for a brewery in every suburb now. <laughs> what does a meadery look like? How do you do that? <laughs> we, um, we, we take as much information from every other industry and we put it in ours. Like there's nothing in there in Australia. There's, there's no research there's no science there's no equipment there's no infrastructure association so but that's us like i don't mind pushing boundaries and and you know being on the edge of things so we're trying to set up an association now uh for the industry in australia but 
from a metery point of view, the the equipment breakdown. There's no there's no heating elements. That's probably the main difference. We don't have to boil our honey. In fact, that's the that's the last thing we want to do is boil our honey. Um, so the actual making of the mead is essentially just honey, water, yeasts, and whatever flavour is you know we want to put in. If, if that's where you go. Um, so making it's not as challenging. We don't have to sit there for three hours and do a boil and all the rests. But the, the, the maintenance of mead is a little bit different. Um, we get a lot of simple sugars out of the honey, um, monosaccharides, and they're not very high in nutrients. The yeast can go through them a lot quicker than they will, the complex sugars. So we need to help them along with some nutrients. Otherwise, they will start to tail off and get quite unwell. And I think you'll see that mead used to take a year, two years to be ready. That was because of that lack of science, whereas uh, now, um, you know, we're, we're applying the science from the winery industry, the science from the beer, the beer industry, and we can have meads that are, are ready now. They're fermented through in a month. We might leave them for another month or two just to age and bottle condition, and then they're ready to go. So what is... What is that? Are you adding things or are you just using different yeasts? Or? Well, yeah, we, we, we don't use any additives or anything like that. Um, we, we do to use fruits and herbs and spices and things. And they're all Australian again. Uh, they're all fresh produce and wherever we can get them and straight from the farm gate. So, you know, we could do, we have a strawberry mead, for instance. It's got some strawberries some vanilla beans. Um, we use hops. You know, we make hopped meads, we've got a few varieties of hops, but we will we'll play with the yeast. I think the yeast is one of the most important, as is the honey. Let's marry the two. What, what flavours do we get from the honey? What are the attributes that the yeast are going to bring? And let's tie them together. And if we do a good job, it comes out quite well. Um, one we've got at the moment is kind of like my version. After Gab's, we went to Gab's. And I didn't think I'd be a fan of the dark sours. Mm. I loved them. Okay. I absolutely love I couldn't believe yeah I really enjoyed it so I went home and we've got a dark sour mead that's happening at the moment so I'd be ready for next how winter. do you make a mead dark huh. <laughs> <laughs> good question <laughs> that's a good one we well we we bochet the honey we caramelize the honey for this one so a bochet is a French term I think where you caramelize the honey from where it is we don't want it to well some people will blacken it we don't blacken it but this is on a stovetop for three hours, this one, really low, and it changes colour. We take away some of the water content, gets darker, caramelises, um, the mallard reaction kicks in. And then from that, we, we built flavours. So we got some cacao nibs, and some, we toasted some uh, coconut, uh, some cold-pressed coffee, just to really try and marry what you'd find in a porter or a stout, you know, those sort of flavours for next winter, yeah. How many different um, like sort of types of honey do you use or get from your honey man? We, we have access to a lot. Uh, at the moment we, we use three, we use two all the time. So we use an orange blossom honey and a red gum and they're both so different to each other. You know, it's the same as it's the same as grain, you know, two row and six row and all these things. So why not create a recipe based out of that? Sure. But we get green mallee off him, we get iron bark, we get yellow boxes. There's so many different types of honey in this country. When you have six or seven hundred different types of eucalyptus trees as a start, you know, honey's not just honey. So, and they all, you know, some honey can be a bit maltier, a bit darker. Some honey can have a bit more gluconic acid or be a bit lighter. And that's what we look at and how we... And then you blend them to get a flavour profile that you're looking for? We are starting to do that this year. Yeah, up until this year, it's let's showcase the honey. Let, let's let the, the customers know that there is different types of honey and they do have their own different flavours. But this year, we're really, really looking into that. We don't just make a beer with Vienna malt. Do you? Don't, no. You don't just make, you mix it up. You don't just make a, a beer all with pills in the mold. You create a recipe, and that's what we're trying to do this year. Um, but we wanted to make sure we had a good understanding of the flavours of those honeys and what they end up after the fermentation. Um, there's kind of a perception that honey is sweet, and there's a lot of 
sweet honeys out there. Um, I know when Dave and you and I tried to start something mead related and it just wasn't any really good meads in Australia, there's a handful um, and the bad ones were just sweet and pretty unpleasant. Um, can you speak to, I guess, the sweetness that's left and the residual sugars? Yeah, definitely. That, I mean, that's how we first found you guys, wasn't it? Was a mead um, blog that you did a yeah. little while ago and I thought, we, we need to show these guys and at the time, I didn't know you were ale of the time, but we needed to show that mead can be different. It doesn't have to be like that and there's a lot of sweet meads out there on the market and um, I think if if there was only one type of beer and you drank a stout and there was never any of you and I don't like beer, you're missing out. So we wanted to show people that mead doesn't have to be sweet. In fact, you'll find our meads are bone dry. They're, they're fermented all the way down past 1.000. Um, they're dry, they're crisp, and that's just the fact that there's no fermentable sugars left. Mm. However, we do have a perception, don't we, that honey is sweet and people will, will, will use their attachment to what they know mead is being and go, ah, oh, mead's sweet. You get a perceived sweetness from our meads, um, but our, us in particular, it's sparkling, they're dry, they're crisp, and we want to be different. We want to show people that it doesn't have to be this way. We want people who have had a few beers, oh, you know, I feel like something else now, maybe I just want to, instead of going to the spirits, hey, you can try something like what we make, and it's exactly similar, it's not exactly the same, <laughs> but, you know, it's still there, it marries along. If you like craft beer, you'd like our, our type of meads. How do you then sell that to people, um, particularly in your part of the world? You're in, you're just out of Wollongong? Just south. Yeah. Um, we're, and it's, it's probably a good a good beer scene in Wollongong from what I understand. We've got our friend Glenn up there um, pushing things along in the, the paper. Um, Glenn Humphreys? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, g'day Glenn. Uh, but uh, yeah, how do you, I guess, sell it to a completely new market that's never had mead before? <laughs> we... You're absolutely right. It's a new market. And we know, I think, not just Hunter in the Heart, but if you ask any meadery now in Australia that's making, that's that's trying to create this industry here, that this is this education process that we're in now, this time frame. We need to educate. We need to get people aware and show them it doesn't have to, have to be like that. Only one way we can do that, and that's to just to, to put it out there in front of people and let them know that it's not what they imagine it to mm. be mm. Mm. Uh, where do you sell it in anywhere I guess in the country you don't are you shaking your head <laughs> we, we, we don't sell as much as I'd like yeah okay we <laughs> need to create that but again we've only been open seven months yeah we, we don't have a tasting room yet we um, we're online store only and you can find that at you know www.hunterandtheheart.com.au uh, we, we are interested in finding some places but we need to make sure that those that stock us understand us as well and that's the tough part at the moment um, people don't know what our mead is we don't want it just to sit somewhere and get a bad rep that mead doesn't sell so we need to be ensure that we work with the right people um, for us it's literally ourselves if we attend events so we do a lot of local uh, beer events and barbecue beer events um, but there's a few other things happening at the moment that are going to be more Sydney focused. So I don't want to say too much in yep. case they don't happen. But you may start to see us appear in Sydney once a week and hopefully at a couple of bottle shops as well. Cool. Mm. Um, we are doing a Patreon meet, uh, which is a really cool idea. Two, two meets. Two meets. Uh, I do have a, a slight correction. I need to correct myself, Dave. Yeah. Uh, sheepishly, right? Sheepishly, yeah. yeah. So the Quebec... Uh, I I don't know, I can't remember where my reliable source was, but they said nah, quick, and then cool. That's how we're saying it. Let's lean into that. And then I was corrected again by Lars uh, Garshol, who's the kind of the godfather of, of Quebec, um, and he's like, nah, it's not that. <laughs> uh, so I'm wrong. If you read it in the Gab's guide, that was me. I apologise, everyone. Uh, I'm not. I don't know. So how are we saying it now? I think we're saying Quebec. Quebec. Okay. Uh, the V is back. Yeah, it's my understanding. And um, I imagine you guys, your listeners, Milk the Funkers and things like that. We're big Milk the Funkers. That's what we do, a lot of sour meads. We know Lars. And um, we know there's been a lot of talk about it. You know, Quebec, Quebec, Quebec. I say Quebec. Yeah. 
It's pretty pretty close, but yeah. I mean, I've I've got a New Zealand accent. Like I wear my pronouncing fucking traditional Norwegian names. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, I say it is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> even when I'm trying to, even when I kind of get it right. Yeah. <laughs> so we say yeah, Quebec. That's what we say. Quebec, Quebec, Dave. You want to have a go? Quebec, Quebec, Quebec. Quebec. I, I did listen to your last one just on the way down, yeah. the, the quake. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who told me that or where I got it from. I would have read it somewhere. I don't know. I think you corrected a couple of people. Yeah, I corrected maybe, everyone. Maybe I, was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like Johnny Highhorse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one that knows. <laughs> so typically, what do we uh, understand the uh, characteristics of the Quebec yeast? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. quickly just talk, speak to the um, Patreon ones. Oh, so okay. we're doing yep. two side-by-side Patreons. Um, yes. So we haven't worked out, I guess, internally what the top tier, second tier, whatever, are going to get. Um, but I think we're going to do a pretty good deal. Um, top tier are going to get some freebies, and then the rest of them are going to get some reasonably priced, um, very reasonably priced. I understand. It'd be less than less than half, less than half price of what we sell them yeah, online cool. to the patrons. Yeah. Um, so we've done, which is two, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Two strains. Two strains. They're ex- Vertical, they're exactly the same. Yeah, they're literally been sitting next to each other the entire process, so nothing's different. They're pitched the same, same, same um, honey, same hops, same dry hopping, same temperatures, bottled, cold crushed. They're exactly the same. They haven't left each even now. They're sitting side by side next to each other, bottled conditioning. They will be. You'll be amazed at the difference that the yeast has provided mm. for these two meads. And that, you're right, they, they, they can ferment quite warm, so there's no temperature control. They didn't go crazy. They said about 25 degrees. Um, for us, we left them for about a month. I can do it in three days, but we just left them sit for a little bit, and they were bottled maybe three, four weeks ago now. So it's been a really quick process, crystal clear, super sparkling, really dry. If you know brute, you know, we're going now brute IPAs and things like that. But mead's always brute. Let's put it out there. Let's just call it brute mead. Like, that's what it is. It's always dry. So one of the um, most commonly understood characteristics of the Quebec yeast is that it's a superhero um, fermenter. How does, like, what's the primary fermentation time compared to uh, other yeast that you've used? It's interesting, yeah. I personally didn't find a great increase in time uh, that I would have found with some of the others. The, it stalls out towards the end and sort of just sat there and then just come back a week later and, and knocked off the last couple of points. Um, I mean, more often than not, most of our yeasts will ferment through in a month anyway. Um, and we're not in a rush. I think time is the most precious ingredient that we can have. Um, so, yeah, even though they could ferment through like a beer in three days, you could bottle, bottle it within a week in a beer. We, we're not into that. We don't need to rush it. Let's make sure it's 120%. Mm. So, the ingredients other than the, the Quebec... What, what two strains have you used? Is it Voss? Yep. They're Voss and Hothead, both... Uh, from Amiga Labs. Cool. I think I'm just... And they're the only two commercially available strains of Quebec? Is there more now? I think there's more okay. off the top of my head. I don't... Uh, um, yeah. So don't. other than those two yeasts, what's the honey? <laughs> he just made a face like he can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to get back to you on that All one. Right. If that's no, okay. Just, that's Patreon exclusive. If you if you're on the Patreon, you'll get the ingredients and tasting notes or the the makeup at least. If you're not, whatever you don't get to taste it anyway. So or maybe if you can guess what honey it is, <laughs> let us know, and that's the end of it. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's it. That works. There's yeah. there's a couple of varieties of hops in there as well, um, and they were a combination of pellets and whole cone hops that we had at the time. Awesome. Um, but again, it's, you'll find you're not going to get an IPA. You're not going to be smacked in the face with hops, and that's not what we try and do. We want everything to be balanced and, you know, otherwise if I was to call it a hopped mead, you'd want full hops. This isn't like that. We just want to let every part of the process work together and sing and shine, you know. As far as I know, no one's really doing, at least commercially, Vic mead. Have no. you come across any? No. 
So I've seen some homebrew recipes around, one or two, but I feel like this is a first. This is an exclusive. This is Dead Set, the first commercial, well, the first two commercial Quebec meads in the country. And um, we're, we're happy with that. We, we do a lot of firsts. Mm. Um, that's just what, what we like to do. But, yeah, I'd be really interested to get some feedback from you guys as well. So definitely let us know what you think about those. Mm. Mm. I'm really looking yeah, forward to well trying I reckon them. next show at least we'll do one on, yeah. on the show. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned taste earlier. You liked the sour black IPAs. Um, and off mic we're talking about... Your, your tastes yep. um, and how you perceive and smell things differently. Yep. Can you speak to that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. A couple of years ago, I had a really stressful time in my life and there's a lot of things happening. I mean, a, a third child was born. My dad just passed away. We bought a house. We had a lot happening in this space. It's a couple of weeks and uh, I think my body just didn't handle it. Um, and I ended up having an accident at home and suffered an occipital strike. So I hit I basically fainted and uh, the thing that saved my fall was my back and my head. Um, it was pretty bad. I mean, it was two in the morning. My partner was 39 weeks pregnant. She found me. I was unconscious for a long time. She had to get the... Yeah, it's pretty hectic, right? Mm. Anyway, um, coming out of that, it was a couple of months out of hospital before I realised that I couldn't taste anything. A couple of weeks, sorry. And if you've been in a hospital, you know that hospital food... You don't expect much from it anyway, if that makes sense. So I wasn't expecting to get a great deal of flavour from hospital food. A couple of weeks out of hospital, I can't really taste anything. Um, but we're dealing with everything else, uh, a TBI, brain injury and things. So at the time, Nerida, we did a blind test. So we got 12 liquids from the kitchen, from lemon juice, balsamic vinegar, cordial, milk, water, Worcestershire sauce. Like, think about that. Mm. And then I couldn't tell the difference between any any single one of them. So I, I realised I had what's called anosmia. So that's the lack of, of not being able to smell. It's the same as being blind or not being deaf, you know. That, that was fine. Uh, what wasn't fine is what it morphed into. And that's a thing called porosmia. And that's, that's an olfactory dysfunction and that was um, where you can still smell but what your brain receives or how it um, processes that odour or irritant isn't right. Um, it comes across as usually pretty, pretty horrific. Mm. Um, so rotting, rotting flesh is, is, the, is the big one. And that was pretty difficult when you're yeah, too... Like two-day-old babies, you can't cuddle him or anything. Mm. Like it was, it's pretty hard time. And um, look, look for a year. I didn't drink, I didn't eat, I didn't brew. Or nothing happened in our house, and it was it was pretty hard. And it still affects with now with my family. And you speak to Nerida, and um, but one day, one day I, I just thought I need to have a go at making some more mead and. I wasn't expecting much and what had happened was if you are familiar with Indian foods there's a drink called a mango lassi. Mm. Do you like that? Mm. I used to love a mango lassi. Honey, uh, sorry, it's mango ice, yogurt, bit of cardamom, isn't it? That's it. Mm. So it's kind of like a bit of sour, a bit of fruit. And so I just went, I'm making this. This is the meat I'm going to make and if it works, maybe. And <laughs> not lying to you fellas for the first time in about 14 months like Nerida and I once it was bottled and packaged we, we, we were drunk that's the first drink I'd had and um, I went yeah right I've got goosebumps now I went yeah right like let's, let's just get back into it and so I've been back into it and the ability to smell still struggles the, the flavour is still affected um, but you know if you've hurt yourself you need to strengthen yourself at the same time. And being able to smell and being involved in smell all the time is something that's crucial for my rediscovery. Mm. It's hard. It's really, really hard. But, um, yeah, porosmia, that's, that's it. And Glenn yeah. Humphreys did a good write-up. Yeah, and that's how that. a lot of this came about. Um, yeah, check that one out. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, really good read. Um, so, being a commercial mead maker in a commercial any any sort of food or drink product with with what that is yes yep. it's difficult i imagine yeah it's diff and let's 
let's take food away from it for a second because that, well, that's what we think with, is, with our smell is it's food and drink, but it's not. There's so many other factors. It's Showering was an issue. As crazy as that sounds, because what's in your shower, all these nice smelling cucumbers, soaps and things, yeah, brushing your teeth was an issue. Um, wearing clothes was an issue because everything's washed in fabric softener and things. And it was, it was, it was, it was hard. It was a really hard time. And um, you, you understand that there's not a great deal of research into our smell. Um, there's a lot in our sight and our hearing and then you start to learn what our smell is it's how we connect it's how we bond with people um, it's how we know we're safe if things are on fire if there's gas if you're burning your food you know um, it was it it was really isolating and you don't connect with people you don't want to connect with people and so that was a good year where I yeah wasn't connected with people uh, and yeah, it got, it got pretty hard. It got a lot harder than that at some points, but maybe not for the scope of ale of a time. It was pretty heavy. But you know, I think that if anyone needs uh, to speak to somebody about something, I have a really good handle on being as deep down that hole as you can get. Mm. But I'm still here, and it, but it wasn't easy. So yeah. Um, fast forward to, to now, and you you've got a of beer in front of you how does it smell and taste now then to you good question I've become a lot better at tasting and a lot better at feeling where things are in, in your mouth and that sounds funny when you say feel because flavor and taste are different yeah mm. so taste is our ability to know sour salty sweet spicy yamani they're the, the, the senses Whereas flavour is our ability, it's a combination of taste and smell. So you smell things inside your mouth. It's called retronasal smell. And that's what your flavour is. When you put food in your mouth and the, the taste and the smell combines, that gives you flavour. Flavour for me is ruined. Taste isn't as ruined. So I can still tell if something is salty, sweet, sour. Mm. Um, and now I, I just look for what I can find and I feel... Is it sweet? What is it doing in my mouth? I can feel some astringency. There's the hops right right at the back there. I'm becoming more acutely aware of differences. But if I I couldn't tell you what the flavour of this beer was, but I can I can tell you that it's well made, it's dry, you know, it's it's good, but I couldn't tell you the overall biscuity, malty, nuttiest not at all. What beer is it? We're at I don't think we've seen we're at Bad Shepherd by the way. Shout out to Bad Shepherd, good friends of ours. Um, which it looks beer is like it? the Red IPA. Bad news, straight on tap. Yeah, Red IPA. Yeah, nice. Um, so I guess how does that then compare to the say the one you had just before it, which I think was the IPA? Before that was the sour. Oh yeah. And a lot of meads we make now are sours. Yeah. And a lot of the things I like to drink now are sours. Look, there's a reason for that that I've learned. It's a scientific reason. Our olfactory bulb, you know, our, fact, our olfaction, our ability to smell, is only one sense. We have another thing called our trigeminal response, and that's the spiciness. You know, when you eat like really hot pepper, yeah. But you don't, you don't get much flavour beyond just this. Wow, it's really, really spicy. So trigeminal is, it's nearly a pain reaction that happens. It's to do with all of your face as well and your mouth. So things that are spicy now and things that are sour, I really enjoy that because mm. yeah, right. it's. And it wasn't something that you were interested in. That I've much always loved sour lollies. Yeah, right. Okay. I've always <laughs> loved sour lollies, but now when you have something sour or spicy, it dominates and it it pushes the olfaction, it pushes it aside a little bit, it represses it so much, so you don't get as much ability to get that flavour, but you get the taste. So I love sours, like a mad sour lover. Should have bought some hot sauce. Frank's. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some up when I, do, I bottle my next batch. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure to. I did see that. Yeah, 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 yeah that'd yeah. be good. But it's interesting, like, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the heat and the sourness of, of like a hot sauce. Um, and it is separate to flavour. I've never, I guess I've never thought of it that way. I've never had it explained yep. to me. Um, yep. How much have you, I guess, taught yourself about these kind of concepts? Like, did you understand that as deeply as you did before your accident? Or you've gone, 
I need to strengthen this. I need to learn all about it. Look, I was um, uh, I was pretty not angry, but I was at a point now that no one could help me, and it got really hard. So I had to help myself. Mm. Um, in this country, there's two leading professors. One in particular, but there's a couple of guys, Dr. Schofield and a guy called Dr. or Professor Lang. And I met with these guys because I had never met anyone with parosmia. But I didn't know what parosmia was. I didn't have a name for what I was dealing with. I just knew things weren't right and I had to, you know, I had to find out what that was and, and, and teach myself. Because how do you tell to somebody, I smell a smell that you've never smelt before. You don't have words for this sort of thing, you know. Um, I've spoken to many professors overseas and without this coming across as being too... Um, arrogant or egotistical but my level of factory, factory knowledge now is high awesome I'll just say that like it's high we can talk about the epitheliums in our, in our noses here and how things transfer and happen but that's not the point of it but for my part of for me is part of my recovery as, as the person that I am I need to know I need to understand and that was part of me getting trying to get better is to learn what was happening but there's no one in Australia I have met one person now two people in the country who've reached out to me that have this parosmia we, we were on TV we were on the TV show and from that people are like wow that's what I've got yeah right and it, it's been quite good to have mm. someone come back and say how can you help like I'm not feeling really good about this and yeah, I don't know yeah. what to do and I can give them some ideas to maybe help Mm. because there's no cure uh, we don't know how long this has lasted I'm two years now post-accident I still have issues so it potentially could go away or it could you don't know no we don't we, we will say no yeah. because it doesn't seem to ever go away to you'll never develop full olfactory function again that's mm. there that's the thing I think that's worth looking forward for, for Hunter and the Harp um, there's plans in the works for you said you know potentially festivals or whatever around um, where do you sort of want Hunter and the Harp to go in the next couple of years we, we definitely want to have a tasting room and we want to be the first in the country to have a dedicated mead tasting room or a mead bar and it might not necessarily just be our meads we might showcase all the other meads that we have in the country uh, are there any others that you'd want to give a shout out to because there's a few others out there who else is doing interesting meads yep Yep, yeah, we could shout out to, in no, in no particular order, but obviously there's uh, Stone Dog Meadery, which have been quite a steadfast in the industry so far. We have Erosion Meadery, which is based in WA. Um, we're starting to see a few more now. We've got Valkyrie Meadery in Tasmania, uh, Thistle Meadery in South Australia. We have Amarita Park Meadery in Queensland, one that's just opened up in Newcastle, Amber Amber Barrel Meadery. So we, we're starting to find now, and a lot of lot of us, we talk, we, we, we've all learnt now. Might be cat hair. Yeah, it's a cat hair. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> I hope you're not allergic to cats. <laughs> I've got a really fluffy cat. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm fucking covered in cat fur this time of year. It's part of me. <laughs> we, um, but, I mean, one of our meaderies just gave me to ScoMo in Tasmania, the president, prime minister, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's coming and we are starting to work. We, we, I've spoken with um, the Cider Industry Association and trying to learn from them what they have do to create because mead in itself, there's, the legislation's tough. Are we wine? Are we beer? Are we mead? Where do we fit in? And we mm. fit in here but then we don't fit in there and so we get excluded. We sort of get double taxed or shafted a lot of the time. Mm. We can't sell mead in kegs. We can sell mead in kegs but we're going to be taxed through the teeth yeah right so that's why we don't see it and we you know we've tried to partition that that was shut down just uh early this year with um the tax aid the tax office um because we're not legislated in the law but why is that fair that you can go to this bar and get a beer you can get a cider but you can't get a mead on tap i imagine that's such a hurdle as well like pouring someone a, a small tap sample is a lot more is a better way to educate someone than it is having to open a bottle because I don't ever buy bottles at a bar really yeah exactly. even if they've got great beer and bottles I'll still yep. probably go for the tabs yep. 
So yeah, there's less there's less commitment from a consumer to have a pot of something versus buying a 750 mil bottle yeah, or yeah. whatever. So yeah. yeah, and it's in your face too. The tap decals are right there. You have to yeah. search for the mead down the bottom, and if it's mead, you're not going to ask out for it. What yeah. is that? So, yeah, we, that's what we want to do. We want to have a bar that we can operate from. We we want to start to develop some presence. We're starting to sponsor the Australian Amateur Homebrew Championship awesome. this year. Um, not in the mead category because that's already taken, but we've taken the specialty beer category, so Great. like us. Um, raise awareness, do some more sponsorships, and um, just just start to become more of a household name. You know, For me, if I can get mead into the MCG, I've made it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's Australian. That's, yeah. that's Australian, you know. We've only just gotten, I don't know, uh, a payaway. No, it's uh, in Pirate Life are, are in there now because it's it's all CUB. Fair, yeah, right. uh, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. Um, so they've done an MCG lager, and I think you can get Pirate Life Pale maybe. That's worked out well for Pirate Life in the Medallion Club or something like that. Wow, the okay. Medallion Club. What's the MCG one? The MC, whatever uh, it is. Members MCs, thing. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. One of yeah. the bars. The we long room bar. Long room bar. We yeah. could just skip to all that and just say my ultimate goal would be to have like A, B, InBev buy us out. Okay. Yeah. Because how good's that? Obviously, we've would made you sell? it. You say, yeah. Because if you ever do. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone wants to offer me a few million. The problem is it's named after my kids. Yeah. And that's where it gets tough. Hunter and the Harp. That, that would be the only thing that might not. But. If we can get mead mainstream, that's that's our target. Yeah, cool. Um, it's not going to be easy. No, yeah. Wine, wine since the 1970s in the country. It's been, yeah. you know, prior to that. It's not going to be an easy sell. Mm. Um, craft beer wasn't, you know, that's not that long in yeah, the country, yeah. I guess. Well, I was sort of thinking you were talking about, you know, you have to educate people on what mead is. Um, when you speak to Dave from Mountain Goat about you know their struggles at the start and he tells that same story of going into bars and explaining to people what a an ale was essentially what a craft beer was um and they you know they were amongst the first to have to do that in this country and now you can go into any pub and, or any bar and say i've got an ipa and they're like oh i i have some understanding of what that is yeah you're at that mountain goat stage of like fuck i need to, need to explain to everyone what this is when did mountain goat start they're 22 years old oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, they, but they they've, uh, they've laid the roadmap though, so it'll be less than half of that for you, I reckon. Yeah, maybe five years <laughs> or something. <laughs> Twenty-two. Um, <laughs> I know that when we tried, uh, I can't remember which ones we had. Yeah, the can, finger, I think the finger lime one. Finger lime on the show. We, we sent you guys once. Yeah, the yeah. finger lime and the saison finger siege. Li- yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that one a lot. I had yeah. the blue, was it blueberry, blackberry, blackberry, blackberry charm, uh, which my my girlfriend Emma she hates me. Even some of the nicer ones that I've, I've had, I'm like, maybe try this one. She's like, nah. And they gave her a sip of the, the black brew one. And she's like, oh, okay, I like this. This is okay, good. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> I'm glad she tried it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah. No, I don't like mead. Well, how do you know? You haven't tried. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that um, saison one was delicious. Where were we? Uh, we're at the Otter's Promise. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, our good friend Dan. Um, but I remember thinking food would be the way to go. Um, you know, yep. they have that, that kind of strong... I guess strong or, or unique flavour, yep. unique mouthfeel. Um, like I immediately think of so many foods you could have with them, yeah. from oysters to, to a fatty burger kind of a thing. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, what do you think? What, what would you pair your meats with, food-wise? You're asking oh, yeah, me. Yeah, the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> what does your wife like to pair them with? Well, your partner. We're, we're still building on Nerida's ability to, to help me. It's, uh, how does this one taste, love? And she goes, tastes nice. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Let's uh, dive down into that a bit. Um, what, are, what are the classic pairings then with meat? Are there, are there classic pairings? <laughs> After dinner with some cheese, maybe. Because okay. that's, that's what meat was, isn't it? It's really yeah. sweet. Yeah. But ours isn't like that. It's dry. But I, I think from memory, like something like the blackberry charm would have been really good with like a, like a sticky pl- uh, pork plum. Or, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. Just sort of complement or contrast. Um, because they're real dry, you could have them with something sweet. Yeah. But you could also have them, you know, maybe with a lamb or some pork. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking fatty meat. Dave, do you remember? Yeah, I remember the, the saison one. I was thinking just like um, uh, pa- like a pasta dish with that. Oh, yeah. Um, That's fun. Good memory. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, 
But that, I just remember them being delicious. A little bit of parmesan, yeah. a little bit of herbs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds fun. Um, the other one you've brought along today is the Britannomyces. Yes. Why, why is there a rice smile when I said that? Because oh, it's really nice. Okay. It's really nice. It's um, it's made again. It's it's. Um, let me think about this for a second. Sack yeast up front. So I did a sack sack of mice yeast. Um, I'd have to check the log, but it would have been. We have cultures that we grow up now, and that's what we use. Um, but then it was uh, added some Britannomyces at bottling, and it's been in the bottle now for for a while. Uh, it's really carbonated. It's really floral, but you let that warm up a little bit you get the Britannomyces coming out but it's not too funky it's not too horse blanket or anything like that yeah. it's like it's a really clean complex I'll be yeah interested to see when you guys get to taste yeah, it yeah yeah I think we're gonna we can't open it today but we'll open it maybe on the next show for sure because uh, I really want to drink it yeah it's unlike like it's it's labelled but it hasn't got the details written on it but yep. it's uh, it clocks in at about eight and a half percent so it's still you know that for us that's a session mean yeah any less than that it, it starts to lose a lot of the mouth feel and things any higher than that well we might as well just make the means like other people but yeah we're, I'm really proud of that and that's why I brought it up down today um, it's not released yet it's still just doing its thing but be when will that be available if people when I get your tasting notes, okay. Yeah, right. okay, and I'll be able to write something up. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure on us now. It's ready. It's literally ready to go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. Um, <laughs> shame we can't open it. Yeah, no, it's such a shame. Um, yeah. Let's take a short break. I want to refill my beer, and then we're going to wrap up. Good idea. All right, great. Uh, welcome back. Are we back? Thank We've you. discussed some recommendations. Yeah. Uh, We've refilled our glasses as well. That's the most important part. Yep. Uh, Joel? Sure. We're go first with a, we'll go beer or beer related recommendation. I'd, I'd say, I mean, I'm down in Melbourne this weekend, but we're based up at Wollongong. And at the moment, Wollongong is teaming with just producers. So we have a new couple of gin producers, um, South Coast Distillery and Headland Distillery. So I'd suggest as my recommendation to check out those. They're not just doing gins. I think they're both breaking out into vodka and I think one of, one of them may even be doing some whiskies soon. Cool. So check that out. Fine. Sounds good. Uh, I'm loving the rise of small distilleries at the moment. More booze. Yep. I'll go next. Go um, for it. Atomic IPA from Gage Roads. Gage Roads oh is yeah. spin-off. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, I'm doing an article about IPAs at the moment, and they, I was chatting to them, and they sent me some some of the IPA. Really good, nice, really impressed. Um, I had a couple of tins last night, and it just hit all those benchmarks nice. that I wanted them to hit. Just spot on, fantastic. So, yeah, it was just good stuff. I haven't seen them around yet. Are they? They only just kind of started yeah, to get right. around. The branding, I I think, is really cool. Um, like I can't you, recall it, but I remember seeing the can and going. Nice. Yeah, like and that, you look yeah. at their Instagram, and it's really slick looking. Um, there, the first time I saw their brand in the wild was at Gabs, and I saw someone wearing the overalls, and it looked like she had one of those uh, what do you call the bull ring piercing the septum things. Septum piercing, piercing. Yeah. Yep. maybe like a should have shaved haircut thing, and was wearing dark green atomic overalls. Yeah, and I just thought the overalls were a fashion choice. And I was like, oh, fuck, those overalls look cool. Good look. You've nailed your look. <laughs> okay. And then I went past the atomic stand later on. I'm like, oh, right. It was a uniform. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was forced upon them. Right. But okay. also, like, it, there's definitely an, a good thought behind the branding. And I, I, I think that's cool. So, nice. Yeah. Very good. Dave, what you got? Um, I'm going to go with uh, slightly on, tr- on trend for the show. Uh, I had the two um, Quebec IPAs from Moondog last weekend. Yep. And... They're both really good. I'm going to recommend the West Coast one, but I can't remember which one uh, it is because they released like a hazy yeah. uh, East Coast IPA and a West Coast IPA um, at the same time. I think it's the Jacket is the uh, West Coast IPA, but it was delicious. Um, I didn't get anything uh, unusual or new from the yeast strain, but it was super clean. Um, it's just a delicious IPA. Awesome. 
and you'll find, and they're all that's out and about. So I think it's Jacket and Vinny. Yeah, the two so beers. named after the dogs. Dogs, Boon Dog. Yeah, I don't know whose dogs they are, but uh, I've yeah. seen them on their Instagrams though. So yeah, yeah, it's fun. I good like series it. of IPAs. Dogs. It is a good series. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Suncat didn't really work for them uh, in the marketplace. Right. Really? People, a lot of breweries struggle with IPAs in the marketplace because they get old really quickly mm. and yep. suddenly you got old yeah. stock. So I, th- it seems like they're trying to sort of do that small release IPA. Thing, which I think works really well. Yeah, I think it makes more I'm sense anyway. Um, and I've really enjoyed them so far. Yeah, yeah. nice. All right, let's do some non-beer. you going to go first, Joel? Do you want me to go first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend that if you haven't already, my recommendation is to have some kids. Okay, do it. Why That's not? That's awesome. What All are right. you waiting for? I love it. You know, drink some beer. Kick back, relax, <laughs> set the mood, <laughs> and then never get to drink any more beer again because you're okay. changing kids' nappies. No, that's not what happens. They get your beers. No, we don't encourage that either. But uh, if you haven't already, I mean, that's what our business is named after. And if it wasn't for the love of our family, we wouldn't have this opportunity. So get out there and sow some seeds. That's a great wreck. Sow those seeds yeah. <laughs> responsibly. <Yeah. laughs> no Johnny Apple seed here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. That's the first time we've had that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, uh, I'll go. I'm going to recommend an album. Um, this singer that I came across recently, who called Jai Paul, J I I P A U L. Uh, he kind of blew up in the early 2000s, and his album was kind of anticipated. People were talking about it. He won awards. He was sort of collaborating with artists, and then his album got leaked. And there's kind of people saying he leaked it himself, and there's this whole weird hype around it that he's just like, fuck this, I'm out. And he pretty much stopped doing anything. Wow. Uh, and him and his brother teamed up and started doing their own music label, and they're doing it on their own terms for the last five years, you know, subscription and, and their own little world of, of music. But he's just released, officially released the leak album. So it's still this rough, half finished album that he's put out. Uh, I think it came out this year, and a couple of new singles also came out. Phenomenal, wow. yeah. so good. Um, one of my one of my favorite albums of the year, even though it came out wow. five years ago. Uh, yeah, I don't know why this person hasn't been on my radar. Check it out, Jai Paul. The album I think is called Leak Thirty oh, or something. It. Yeah, um, right. but if you look at them up, read the wiki page while you're listening. It's a really interesting story. Um, I like it. Interesting, cool, fun, interesting music. Very good, Dave. Um, my non-beer rack after. Seeing you write about it and uh, seeing on their social medias, uh, Pie Thief. Pie Thief aren't my recommendation, but they put pies in my mind. Okay. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I work pretty close to, um, is it Wonder Pop? Yeah, Wonder Pop. Yeah, Wonder Pop. Uh, And I went and had a Cornish pasty from Wonder Pop and it was outstanding. So it's on Little Lonsdale Street towards the Spring Street end um, uh, in, in the Melbourne CBD. The pies are great yeah uh but the cornish pasty in particular was heaps of fun i will co-sign wonder pop pies uh i've had them a lot at the queen vic market they sell one of the places here sells them uh very um, saturday morning i'll smash down one enjoyable structural integrity yeah the structural integrity (laughs) you can can walk (laughs) you can run you can just take a big old bite out of it and you are not losing a drop i remember seeing a guy walking through just one handing a pie through the, the busy market one handing one of their pies and it's just like yeah you know, what you know what's up yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. he's yeah. got it down uh, good one I like that nice um, now people listening that want to connect with Hunter in the Heart maybe collab maybe dinners uh, are you open to all of that stuff yeah we, we, we've done a few degustations and done some pairings before and some little things so we're definitely open to that we're, we're happy to, to sit down and listen to your requirements and needs we can make meads for people we one thing we did talk about we have a honeymoon mead on the go now for for a wedding couple couple of fellas that are getting married so that's where the term honeymoon comes from ah so back in the day when you got married you and your betrothed got enough mead to last a full moon cycle so for one full moon to another so a lunar cycle which would Pretty much ensure the this is the kid thing the generation again. <laughs> the generational gap. So you got enough mead for you and your partner for a full month. I'm staggered how much we're learning on this. This show. has been very educational. Yeah. I'm, I'm into that. So we, we're definitely open to. 
degustations to pairings. We love collaborations. If you're not sure what a braggart is, a braggart is part beer, part me. Uh, we have one or two of those in the pipeworks at the moment and definitely open to doing more with people as well. Yeah, Awesome. Uh, how do people find you, say, online? Yeah, www.hunterandtheharp.com.au. Otherwise, Facey, same name. Um, Instagram, same name. And if you wanted to reach out to myself, you can just, my name, Joel, at hunterandtheharp.com.au. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for coming down and chatting to us. Yeah. My Dave, pleasure. We'll get some where sure, you find Sure, Melb, Dave, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, all the same. Do some gusto. Come on. And then we can thank our guests. Uh, if I do it with gusto, people will check it out and see nothing happening there. So uh, okay. I'm playing I've got smart. lots happening on my social yeah, media, you do, so I'm going to do mine with gusto. Yeah. Your stories uh, are great. Instagram, uh, where I'm putting pie, a lot of pie content lately. <laughs> And a lot of fermentation content. Yeah, sauce. Good. Yeah. Um, Twitter, it's just trash. I'm just putting trash out there. Dumb thoughts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you want trash, that's where it is. Uh, Hypothetical Institute for uh, conspiracy stuff. Uh, Hypothopod on Twitter and Hypothetical Institute on iTunes. Uh, we're doing, the next one we're doing is smoking is good for you, apparently. Interesting. Good right. conspiracies around that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it is good for you. It isn't. But that's what you're exploring, though. (laughs) But, yeah, that's what a lot of people are are out there saying that smoking tobacco is good for you. So, yeah, we're going to dive into that one and... Yeah. I think 9 out of 10 doctors recommended Lucky Strike back in the day. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, alloftime.com for us. Uh, thank you to Toe Hider. We haven't actually put out the Toe Hider chat yet. That'll be our next one. Right. Uh... Well, you would have heard that by the time this one comes out. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We've got, we've got shows up our sleeve. Back to the future. Uh, now we'll thank our guests. Yes. Thank you for coming down. <laughs> no worries, fellas. Yeah, Thanks it's been a blast. Uh, yeah. I, one of interesting chat. Really, really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to, you know, to, to listening to another couple episodes later to when you taste some of these memes yeah. and to hearing the feedback. And then we can just um, get it out to your patrons as soon as we can. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Cheers, Joel. Well, Thanks, fellas. Thanks, fellas.